I would genuinely love to see a, a club do a uh, do a press conference through Twitter Spaces and allow fans yeah. to mm. sit That's and true. listen to the entire press conference from start to finish. Anyone who's ever spent money has pretty much been gutted, <laughs> uh, gutted about Stephen Ireland. <laughs> yeah. What one word? Gravy. Great. I take your point on board. If, I do if, take if your McDonald's point. steal the gravy recipe, and uh, and uh, and you know, I, I've suddenly got something to dip my McDonald's chips in. I'm right. Uh, you know, fair enough. I'll switch sides. Welcome to this week's episode of the Boy Oh, you've got a cold, haven't you, Rob? You've got a cold. I've got a cold. It's not, um, obviously, it's not the virus and that. I'm just uh, a bit bunged up. You're a little bit bunged up, aren't you? <laughs> what a great oh, way yeah. to start this week's episode. Oh, uh, welcome yeah. to, uh, like I say, another episode Oof. of the High Press Podcast. It is season two, episode 22. Uh, gosh, we've been going a while now, haven't we, Rob? And um, it's, uh, what a great journey we've been <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah. And look, yeah. At, look at our professional intros, brilliant. Look at um, now. <laughs> look how far <laughs> we've come. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, today we welcome uh, Chris Hall onto the podcast. Uh, Chris, uh, we had a great, great chat with Chris about all things football. Uh, I had a chat with him about his role at West Bromwich Albion, working uh, as part of their social media team, the broadcast team, um, and how much of that has sort of changed over the last few years. He's now currently, um, I think, he's at the University of Derby. Uh, he yes. uh, teaches all things uh, is it sport. I think is it Rob? Correct me. For, uh, football, football journalism. Football yes. journalism, uh, uh, football journalism. Yeah, really, yeah, really yeah. good. Uh, and how he, uh, how he comes to a background in uh, fan engagement and, uh, mm. well, I'd say a social media expert as well. Uh, yeah. Particularly, uh, particularly within within football and uh, and and marketing uh, clubs and marketing the sport as well. Uh, and and doing a bit of bit of work as well for the FA, uh, working for mm. Wembley as well. Yeah, uh, which is yeah, it's pretty good, pretty much. We also, we also heard um, how much Dalton Gear will love Skittles, and how Kevin Phillips is potentially the nicest man to ever grace our planet. Um, and of course, we were witness yeah. to that as we spoke to him uh, in last week's episode. And if you haven't listened to that already, make sure you go and check that out because that is that's a belter. Um, but uh, yeah, make sure you enjoy this episode as we speak with uh, Chris Hall about pretty much all things football. Hi, Chris. Uh, pleasure to welcome you to the High Press Podcast. How are you doing, my friend? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. You're, uh, no, absolutely. It's uh, as it is with the, with the guests that we have on. It's a pleasure and a privilege to, to have someone and tell their story. Um, so we're looking forward to, uh, to a good couple of chats for this evening. Um, if you're new to the podcast, obviously, first of all, welcome. Um, pleasure to have you with us. Um, we're going to get straight into our quickfire round. Um, so if you're new, like I say, um, I'll briefly explain how this works. It's 11 quickfire questions um, that we're going to throw at Chris to start the episode off with. Um, and we've, we've had a variety of answers from this before, Rob, haven't we? It's just gone off on one. So, uh, And this is why we love it so much. So, uh, Rob, would you like to kick us off with our famous starting 11 uh, feature, if you like? I don't know if it's famous, but it will be wonder. Uh, infamous, I think, maybe. Infamous, maybe, yeah, infamous. Infamous, yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, question number one, Chris. What team do you support? 
I'm a West Bromwich Albion fan, so um, I'm, I'm not enjoying your backdrop, mate. <laughs> no, no, nobody. Yeah, for the listeners at home, as, as you know by now, Rob's got a massive Villa flag in his uh, in shot, and it's and it always causes offence to our guests, but it doesn't move for that very reason, I think. Yeah. Uh, question two: What is your favourite pizza topping? See, you're, ask, you're asking that of a fella who's got an Italian missus, so I've got to tread carefully here because I will be I will be left if uh, if I say Hawaiian. Um, uh, do, uh, do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go proper Italian. I'm gonna say undoya, which is um, a spicy Italian sausage, and it's actually outstanding. And I hadn't wow. tried it until the, until the in-laws basically uh, gave me a jar of it. It's stunning stuff. Wow, I wasn't. Ex- I mean, it's not cheese exactly, is it? It's, it's that's a proper, <laughs> proper out there answer. Yeah, I've got to give you a proper answer to that one, though, mate. I've, yeah. I've, I've, mm. I've got, I've got Italian family now. I've got. It's, I've it's got not to worth. It's not worth the risk, is it? Not, is it? <laughs> you know what? That's not the first time someone's mentioned and and Doya sausage on the. Uh, is it not? Pod. No, someone. Yeah. Someone said that, and I can't remember who it was. Think about we've it. Had spicy, we've had spicy. We've had spicy sausage on the show before. Well, anyway, um, so <laughs> yeah, that's me on a Saturday night. Anyway, uh, question I've got down here question number four, even though it is number three. That's good. Um, Mbappe or Haaland? <laughs> T- totally different players, aren't they? Mbappe's mm. a better player, is it? Of course, he is, but I mean. I wouldn't consider Mbappe an out-and-out number nine. I'm not going to try and swerve it. I'll say Mbappe, but I do think they're different. They're very different positionally. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I thought I'd uh, mix it up a little bit from the Messi and Ronaldo. We'll have the next generation. Uh, Question four. Uh, What is your favourite artist or band, or who is your favourite artist or band, should I say? I'm, uh, I get a lot of stick from the lads at this because they basically tell me that my my music taste is stuck in 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 the sort of like late nineties, early noughties of punk rock. So it's probably <laughs> something like uh, a Green Day, something uh, something like that. Um, I've oh, listened to a disturbingly large amount of Bowling Pursuit, which um, and have dragged my missus to a couple of their gigs. So that yeah, that that's gone down like a fart in a spacesuit, as you can imagine. <laughs> Are they, are they not big in Italy? <laughs> are they, uh, yeah. Um, what did you get for Christmas? Great question. Putting the yeah, welfare of our guests first. I like that, Rob. Well done. Uh, I'm 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 a bit I'm a bit of a saddo with my with my working out. Um, so I got I got a, a preacher curl bench and an easy bar. Actually, were, were probably. Okay. Uh, the, uh, mm. the the most substantial things that that that, that I got. So um, I'm turning our utility room into a mini gym area because the person who owned it before has got all speakers in the in the in the ceiling. So I can uh, I can properly yeah. the tunes pumping and like um, <laughs> and and turn it into a proper gym area. It's class. <laughs> That's brilliant. And and has this been approved by said other Italian half? Yeah, I think I think she's all right with it. it. Keeps me quiet for an hour a day, so you you can't really fault it. No, no, it's true. In fact, she's probably encouraging it more than anything, just to get an hour's peace, isn't she? True story. <laughs> uh, next question. What is your favourite hobby that isn't football? Yeah, to be honest, um, probably, um, like I say, probably gym, working out, stuff like that. But um, again, my missus would be the first to tell you that, I've, that I've, I've got an unhealthy obsession with playing FIFA. I really need to grow up. 
<laughs> You're not the only one, my friend. We, yeah. well, the amount of times me and Rob have a rage at pro clubs every every week or so is it's unhealthy. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I spend too much time on foot bin, mate. Like, uh, the, the, it's not, it, it, it's not porn. You've got to worry about on my browser history. It's how much time you spend on foot bin. It's really quite worrying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, me and uh, me and Cal were discussing. Remember Brian? We had a discussion about Brian Brobby, didn't we? About um, signing him. Uh, Who? For Brian Brobby. Remember we, we were talking Brian about the, going to back back to Ajax. And told you oh gosh, yes, I'm with you now. Yes, I'm with mm, you. I'm with yeah. you. Sorry, you have these took, chats. You say took took a while to click. It's it's the new year. Um, next question. Um, what uh, would, no, it's you. Oof, it's it's you. On, so that's it is me. Go on, go on. Take it away. Take it away. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> oh dear, New Year. Hey. Uh, what would be what would be the name of your uh, autobiography if you wrote one? Um. Oh, that's that, that's a hell of a question. I, uh, um, uh, I, I wish you'd team me up, team me up with that one before I had to come up with something Ooh. witty and in, uh, and or, uh, or vain. I, I, I think uh, I think I'm just going to steal from my own Twitter bio. The, the, um, a, a, a colleague in football once uh, once described me as football's most opinionated man. So um, wow, and, uh, that, right. that, uh, and to be fair, he's now the he's now the England football team press officer. So I'll absolutely take that. <laughs> Okay, um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, if, if I'm football's most opinionated man, surely you've got to buy that bloke book. Surely, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, you got to put it on your title. Absolutely. Wow, we'll get you back on the potty again then for if you have any controversial incidents occur in the Premier League season in the uh, more in the than happy with that. <laughs> uh, next question, uh, fairly routine one, I think. This Rob, uh, KFC or McDonald's? Oh, KFC all day, and really. What one word? Gravy. Great. I'll take your point on board. If, I do if, take if your McDonald's point. steal the gravy recipe and uh, and uh, and you know I, I've suddenly got something to dip my McDonald's chips in. I'm right. Uh, you know, fair enough. I'll switch sides. But like, uh, no. Well, KFC have got the gravy, mate. There's only one decision. Wow. I, I mean, what you have done there is back me into a corner a little bit because I, I can't really argue with that. However, I do think it has to be McDonald's convenience variation but then if you want some chicken you do, you do go to KFC depends what you're fancying doesn't it I think it's the ultimate I, the I, ultimate I think so but yeah you you just can't beat dipping your chips in that gravy that's that, that, that's the only place my mind's just gone I'll tell you something I'm not a massive <laughs> fan of gravy you know I'm not a massive fan however I was very privileged to go to Miller and Carter the other day for a lovely slap up three course meal and the beef dripping gravy I've with a steak is on another level it is beautiful <sighs> Yeah, it is good Miller and Carter, to be fair. Lovely, lovely meal. Um, well, don't you getting some free ste- steaks for dropping <laughs> the mentions, by the way? We, yeah. We've just helped out with some brands there. I mean, not that they need our help, goodness me. Oh, yes, I was going to say, they're, they're not on their arse, are they? Let's be fair. <laughs> they might be after this. After we <laughs> yeah, well, an endorsement from us is the only thing that could kill, kill McDonald's as a brand. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> one day we won't get that big one there. <laughs> the gra- the gravy got slandered, and then that was it. And then <laughs> all downhill from here. Uh, right, here's uh, here's a question. Uh, it's, a, if... it's a strange question. This is it is a strange one, very strange question. I don't know if to be proud of it or not. Um, <laughs> here we go. Right, so when <laughs> when you use a laptop, 
did you use the mouse or the tracker pad? Sorry. <laughs> <That's such Yeah. laughs> no, no. It, it's, uh, do you know what? It's a, it, it's, it's a, it's a fair question. I, tracker pad, but that's mainly because it's my laptop and I work from home. And I, I, okay. uh, I uh, like, uh, I keep because uh, I basically clutter up the kitchen with it, and I have to pack it away every, um, mm. uh, like yeah. every evening. And I'm, I just cannot be bothered with getting out because if you use a separate mouse as well, you've got to get a separate keyboard. It's a lot of yeah. faff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. I always went to trackpad, actually, on my MacBook now, and I invested in an Apple mouse over lockdown. Um, it changed my MacBook experience, I have to say. Um, I thought about a keyboard. I'd need to get a mortgage if I wanted it. Joys of Apple. Yeah, joys of Apple. Next question is, um, would you rather... the vis- so- Sorry, Rob, I- I'll apologise because you put something in brackets there that threw me. Why? Oh, sorry, yes. would you rather um, visit the past or the future yes. and why? Do you know what? Like, uh, without, being, without being overly philosophical, neither. Like, um, yeah. Because... I, you know, I, I, I can't, I, I can't, I can't be, I can't be doing with doing anything but living for the present. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's a really, it's a really cheesy answer, but uh, you know, it's a deep um, question as well. It's quite a deep. It is, it is quite a deep question. But I, I always, <laughs> I always think if you're happy with where you've got to, don't worry about the past. And yeah. you spend too, uh, you, you know, you can't spend a lot of time fretting about the future either. You know what I mean? You've got to crack on. Absolutely. I just saw, Rob, that your brackets did actually state that you, you're asking this question because you watched Back to the Future over Christmas. Yeah, so I was I was due to uh, ask this question and I've just realised um, I've only done 10 questions. Well, no, That's because we need to add our customary question at the end, don't we? Well, this this was going to be the customer. This was the new one. Oh, for the I, new... See. I see. Right. Um, well, However, I'll tell you what, I see. Because you've done... I have balls the order up. So, yeah, balls order, but let's say from next week we'll do we'll do we'll bring a new customary question in. But for this week, right. should we bring back the classic. Yeah, go on. All right, uh, I'll take it away. This is the which, controversial which question, Chris. <laughs> well, that's true. We've had a few. It used to be Pepsi or Coke. Many debates. Wow. Um, but we'll go back okay. to we'll go back to 2021, which was um, which colour cap of milk do you use? Um. <clears throat> Uh, I can't really give you an answer on that because generally we're we're, we're soy or oat milk in in, oh, okay, in, in this house, and, and not not for any any of the moral reasons. Uh, I'd love to say that uh, you know uh, it's not veganism or anything like that. It's just purely like the taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always always think to myself when we ask that question, please don't say soya because I'm going to look like an idiot. And here we are. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We'll let you off. We will let but you does, off. Does anybody know what the caps are anymore? Because nobody uses a bloody milkman anyway. That's true. Well, no, because when you buy it from the the supermarket, the, the like a plastic um, bottle has still got them. the cap on, hasn't it? It's different colours. Yeah, I know. It. But like red, red. See, because you're talking to a guy who's nearly forty. Red to <laughs> me, back in the day, was um, was skimmed. But red in the okay. supermarket is semi skimmed. So, like, ah. if I was if I was talking. Uh, like um, you know, if, if we, we'd be talking different cap colours, wouldn't we? Ah, uh, that's fair. So the way I interpret it is, red is basically pouring water on whatever content that you've got. Green is the middle ground, and then blue is the whipped cream. That's the way I would interpret it. And then gold is whipped cream with some more whipped cream. 
Oh yeah, I mean, if, 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 if you if you're drinking if you're drinking gold, just go, go and get yourself a pot of elm leaf for crying out loud. You know, just, <laughs> uh, just, why uh, why are you why are you even bothering with milk at that point? <laughs> I'm actually a fan, and Rob, you'll have to you'll have to excuse me, but I'm a fan here of a, a yellow capped milk, uh, which <laughs> is a, a brand called Bob, which you may or may not have heard of. Um, it's a it's a beautiful brand of milk. I think it's meant to be semi skimmed that tastes like skimmed. I think or something along those lines. Game changer for me. Couldn't recommend it more. Fair play. Yeah, the the, the sort of the the one percent fat milk is 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 all right as well. Yeah, it, it's all okay. But now I'll I'll stick with my soy and my, uh, my oat. I think I think they're all right. It's a wise choice. It's a wise choice. Um, I didn't think we'd ever have a comprehensive conversation about milk again on the podcast, but here we are. Some things Not never again. change. <laughs> Not again. We've been there, done that. Right, let's move on to anyway. our new round. Um, I'm delighted to announce to our listeners today that this is the first episode that, we, uh, that we've got a new little segment in here. So uh, we've gone with the high press quiz. That has gone. Robbers had many defeats, many victories, many, men, many memories made. Um, but it was time to move on. And uh, if you listen to our Christmas special, you'll know that we had a Wikipedia round, which is where we've shown our guest on the screen uh, a profile of a player or a manager's career, and it was down to them to try and guess who it was from their um, career moves. So today I'm going to be asking four or showing four images of uh, player profiles. Both Rob and Chris will be answering them at the same time. Um, If you just make a a mental note or if you want to make a note on pen and paper or on your phone, whatever you've got accessible to is absolutely fine. I'll show you the four images and then I'll reveal the four answers and of course the one with the most correct answers is the winner if there's a tie i will do a very outlandish one and the first one to get it will win the uh win the the little wiki round that we've put together um but for the meanwhile i'm just going to attempt to share my screen and then hopefully um we can we can get underway right so for the listeners on screen hopefully you both can see it on there uh player's career here is aston villa sorry manchester city Aston Villa, loan spells to Newcastle and Stoke before joining permanently, before uh, having a pretty comprehensive record at Bolton in 2018 <laughs> with zero appearances <laughs> and zero goals. How are we both feeling with that one, without saying the answer? Yeah, I, no, I, I, I think I'm there with that one. You think you're there with it? Rob, I think I am. As the Villa fan, you should you should be yeah, maybe, clear with this maybe, one? Maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe. Okay. So that is the first one over and done with. Uh, the second one, which should be appearing on your screen now, uh, again, quite a comprehensive oh career here. Starting in 2003, Wimbledon, MK Duns, Fisher Athletic, um, Lose or Lou, Lose, I'm going to say, is, I think is the correct You know, I, I remember his 2006 spell at Lose. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Barnet, Plymouth, two, in fact, three spells on loan at MK Dons, Southampton, and then loan spells at Millwall, Blackpool, QPR, Palace, before joining them permanently and then joining Huddersfield on loan. And currently at Paphos, which oh, I don't know if that's an incorrect spelling of Cyprus or not, but it's spelled with an F rather than a PH. Um, bit of a bit of a toughie there. How are you feeling about that one, gents? I ain't got not a sodding clue. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I will say is, as, as I know you, you are both quite intelligent with your football. I, I do think you'll kick yourself if you don't get it. If that helps, I will be kicking myself. I'll leave that up for another yeah. another few seconds. Where, where did he? 
It's trying to work out who, uh, who started off at Wimbledon before they changed their name to MK Dons. That's that, yeah. that, that, that's that's what's that's what's really uh, that's what's really getting me I, there. I think there's a slight hint. What I will say is, for me, looking back, they were most prominent in their careers both at Southampton and Crystal Palace. Uh, Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace, which of course is where they made the most of their appearances. Mm. Take a punt, and then we'll move on to the next one. Uh, that was a toughie, that one. I do apologise if you uh, if you struggled with that one. Uh, moving on to the third one. Um, hopefully, this one is a little bit easier for you both. Um, I don't have anything for that one. <laughs> um, we've got Manchester United alone spells God. at Peterborough, Plymouth, and oh, Carlisle. No. Um, was at Hull for also a period of time before joining oh. West Bromwich Albion, and then at Aston Villa for a fairly uh, for about four years before joining Shit. Stoke on loan, and then permanently. I think you both should be okay with that one being Albion and Villa. Mm. No, uh, weirdly, weirdly struck. I, I would have worked with, uh, with with whoever this is at the, at the Albion as well. So okay, so I wasn't there um, for very long. No, and that's that's what that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking. Who? Uh, who on, who on earth was with us uh, for 13 games in 15? Mm. No. That uh, would have been... Was that after Was that after I'd gone? Yeah. Uh, it was 15, 16, like... so I think that was Tony Pulis era, I think. Hmm. So I think it's about the second one. <laughs> I've, got no, I've got no idea. Well, I'm going to take that one down from the screen. And then the final one, which is just coming up now, is uh, started at Manchester United, loan spell to Raw, Antwerp, Plymouth, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Plymouth, Preston, Chesterfield, loan spell at Shrewsbury before working his way down the Football League with Telford, Halzo in Barwell, and then Warsaw Wood. Mm. So predominantly Wolves here. Predominantly Wolves. Rob, how are you feeling about this one? Mm, I've, I've started off quite quite difficult here, but that, I want to set the bar at a certain level so we can continue this. You knowing that you might need to do a bit of research. I'm, I'm, I've got a punt on that one. I don't see yeah. me winning many of these rounds. <laughs> yeah, maybe might have might have a little a little be be able to have a little punt on that one. Um, yeah. Think mm, maybe right. Uh, I'm, I'm expecting you both to be honest when I reveal the answers here to to these yeah. these these careers. <laughs> so, um, in fact, let me let me come to you. Let me come to you both, and you can tell me who you think yeah. it is. So, number one, uh, Chris, would you like to tell us who you think number one is? I've gone for Stephen Ireland. Is the correct answer? Yeah, absolutely, Stephen Ireland. Rob, you're looking gutted. Who did you put for that? Uh, Richard Dunn. <laughs> It's not a bad shout, actually. The city and the villa link. It's not a bad shout. But Stephen Ireland is the correct answer. Um, Rob, who did you go for for number two, which is the difficult one? I, I didn't. Uh, what what position are they before? And um, the, I, the, I, I would say midfield slash wide man. Hmm. I mean, uh, I'm... Chris, have you, have any you got Chris? anything? Chris, have you got anything? I was really, uh, I was really struggling on on uh, on this one. Um, I mean, the only, the only person I, who I could think of that played for both was Jason Punchin. Um, 
And uh, yeah, that, that's that's my punt in the dark. I was I was just trying to think of somebody who, who would play for Southampton and Palace, but well, it is in fact Wait. Jason Punchin. <laughs> what? It's an unbelievable. That was an guess. absolute punt. Yeah. Um, it is Jason Punchin. I can't, I can't believe. Well, well done. You can come back, Chris. That is incredible. Uh, moving on, we, we once we once played a staff game again uh, um, uh, for the FA, and uh, and Jason Punchin was in goal um, and oh, wow. uh, and got uh, got got lobbed. Um, so <laughs> he's not the tallest, is he? He's not the tallest. He's not. He's not. Um, one one of my staff members also lobbed. I think Clinton Morrison. He wasn't best pleased about it in, in wow. a different game. I'd be putting that on my CV. I can assure you of that. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, the third one. Um, which was... Uh, Rob, do you want to try and give us the third one? I think I've got this one. Uh, James Chester. Yeah, James Chester. Yeah, correct. Nice. Absolutely right. Which, of course, means, Rob, if you need to get this one right and Chris needs to get it wrong mm. for you to draw, um, otherwise, if Chris gets on this right, he's taking the first Wiki Round winner trophy that doesn't exist yeah. home. Um, I haven't got The this. fourth one, Chris, do you want to have a punt? Uh, I, I won't use the unkind name that the Albion fans used to call him, but I believe it is Sylvan Ebanks Blake. Is the correct answer. Sylvan Ebanks Blake is absolutely correct. Rob, I assume you didn't uh, get it by your reaction. No, no, I, I know he. I know he. Um, he didn't play for Wolves. The only Hell's Town, Hell's Town player I could think of was uh, was it Lee Johnson? Did he go there? But that's not. Uh, did, gosh, do, do, you know, do you know weirdly what yeah. gave it to me was uh, was the fact that he started at Man United and I I yeah. completely forgot he played for Plymouth but, I, uh, uh, but like uh, it was I just remember Ebanks Blake coming through at Man U and then getting released yes you're not wrong because I think he had a very productive spell at Plymouth and then he joined Wolves in the January window I think didn't he he was it, to be fair to him he was absolutely class for Wolves when they got promoted yeah. he was uh, really he, good he, uh, I think I think he was up front with Benny Kofobi and they absolutely banged them in between the pair of them yeah he was uh, he was incredible for, uh, for Wolves and he just tiled off for him after that he didn't really uh, yeah. he didn't really go anywhere after that did he um, no but, Chris, congratulations on, on winning the first wiki round. Um, where does this rank in terms of your achievements in your life so far? Oh, 100% right up there. Uh, it's it's got to be, really. Rob, I'm surprised nice. I'm surprised that you only... Did you get one or two in that round? Uh, I got one. You got, got one. one? I'm surprised. Mm. I'm surprised. I thought you would... Oh, you must be know. gutted at Stephen Island. Has anyone ever been really gutted at Stephen <laughs> Island? <laughs> I think, I think every, everyone who's I think ever everyone has been gutted. Yeah, true, true, actually, true. Any, yeah. Anyone who's ever spent money has pretty much been gutted, <laughs> gutted about Stephen <laughs> Island. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Do you know what? Like, I mean, the, the, I've, I've heard, I've heard a few podcasts on that with with people who've played with Stephen Island, and every every player who's played with him. Says he is one. He was one of the most talented, best in you know ability-wise, yeah, incomparable players that they've ever come across. But you just, he just wasn't. He, he just wasn't bothered. Used to go missing quite literally sometimes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he had some. Obviously, he had you know a good career in terms of the teams he was playing for: Villa, Newcastle, City. He did well at City, of course, didn't he? And then it was the move to Villa where it went a little yeah. bit, a little bit pear-shaped. And I think they struggled <laughs> to offload yeah. him in the end, didn't they? I just, I just yeah. think, I just think in football generally, and I, you know, I've been in the fortunate position of of knowing quite a lot of footballers in my time, and I think, I, I just think football fans generally underestimate 
mentality way too much mm. um, in terms of how much it contributes to being uh, to being a footballer because I think I think people see football as almost like a series of data points like you get on FIFA yeah. or Football mm. Manager and uh, and like if you move one guy from one place to another place he will just recreate that form like somebody playing brilliant in South America will come to England and play brilliantly and it's like but he doesn't speak the language. He can't go out and order a meal. He can't even set his own like Wi-Fi up or anything like that. There's nothing on the telly that he understands. Like, mm. would you not feel a bit down in that situation and therefore go to work a bit, a, a bit more, a, a bit, a bit more down and, and everything like that? You know what I mean? It's, it's tough. Yeah, it, these are humans. I think that's oh, we've said this on the episode before, haven't we, Rob? About the footballers are humans, aren't they? I think people forget that they're not robots. They have families. They have they have, you know, lives that they've ultimately sacrificed to make a move to a club, haven't they? And it's not always easy to to make that transition over. Um, but no, very very valid point that you raise. Um, we'll move on to uh, our questions that we've got now for you, Chris, if that's okay. So um, before we before we kick off with with some of the questions, do you want to explain a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. I'm. Um, I mean, I, I've. I'm fortunate enough to have had a, a, a quite a nice career in football. Um, I I started off um, back in oh geez, what would it have been 2006? I think um, uh, joining West Bromwich Albion um, uh, to do their broadcast content and then later their social media content. Spent eight years working uh, working at the Baggies for a myriad with a myriad of managers because we seem to tin tap them every every five minutes there, unfortunately, or or yeah. they left. Um, I then went on to the Football Association, uh, where I I ran a lot, of, uh, um, worked more predominantly on the Wembley side of things than than on the England side of things. Um, again, running a lot of their digital content and, um, uh, and managing the. the, the engagement side of what of what they do and um more recently i i now eat basically what i did for the last 15 years um at derby university university of derby i should say um get the name of, name of my own university right that would be helpful um, <laughs> and basically try and try and get young people the career i've had or or a better one yeah mm. yeah oh brilliant very admirable I, I don't think i've met too many people in my life who've gone on to do something and then um, then gone and taught it to others. I think that's quite a quite a very mm. generous thing to do. Um, so we'll we'll come straight back to the begin uh, beginning if we can, Chris, and um, talk to us about the the moment that you got into football. Was it a was it a moment? Was it a match? Was it a, a you know a memory in your childhood? Tell it what tell us what it was that was the moment where you essentially fell in love with the game. I mean. Th- th- there's two different things there. There's the, there's the moment that I kind of got in, started going to football, which I mean, Cal, I don't want to give you the shakes here or anything, but you'll, you'll remember this. One of my first games was Woking in the FA Cup. Okay. Um, yes, I've Tim heard Bazaglo about that. Yeah. And all that sort of thing. So I, yeah. I can't, can't for the life of me say it was, it was the moment I, I fell in <laughs> love with football or, any, or, or anything silly like that. Um, I mean, but, but I, my, my dad, my dad's uh, dad was an Albion fan. Uh, that is an Albion fan, I should say. Um, uh, uh, and you know, I still go with him to the games this day. Obviously, had a had an eight year period off where I was working for the club. But, um, <laughs> I, I'm back going to games with him again now. Um, he 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 got me into it. Took me from a from a young age in the uh, in the um, 
uh, very late 80s, 80, I think 89, 90 was the first season I started going when, for want of a better word, we were crap. I mean, we were next level crap. You know, I mean, uh, 91, 92 and 92, 93 are the only two seasons we've ever um, we've ever um, spent in the bottom, in the third tier of English football. And they were my first two seasons with a season ticket. So that was, that was brilliant. I was at Shrewsbury when the Albion fans carried Bobby Gould's coffin through the street. Oh, um, gosh. It, it, you know, it was... It was a weird time. It was a weird time to fall in love with football. If Very you see what strange, I mean, because, or so, yeah. Because <laughs> it, it was quite literally my team's darkest hour. It was the worst we have ever been in yeah. our entire history, and we we're a founder member of the football league. And yet, it was my formative time going to football. I think probably the point at which I fell in love with football was was the '93 playoff final at Wembley, being there, beating Port Vale three 0 seeing it, being in the stands for it was was just it was just amazing um you know i think I, th- I think everybody needs that moment that kind of that triggers them a, a, a little bit because as i say i i'd had to watch a lot of garbage for the previous couple of years yes, you know the yeah, bobby yeah. gold year we finished seventh um in in what is now league one um and you know didn't even make the playoffs which was appalling because everyone thought Probably a bit. If you could to compare it to a, a, um, a team doing poorly, it's probably a bit like Ipswich over the last couple of seasons, yeah. where yeah. when people have seen them come down and that went, well, they're just going to come straight back up because they're a massive club. That's what everyone thought about us, and mm. we didn't. We took two years, and it and we still had to win a playoff final to do it. Yeah. Um, so it was it, it was odd, but uh, but I mean there was there was that, and then Euro, there was obviously Euro nine. Uh, well, actually, not Euro ninety six. USA ninety four was uh, was was something quite special for me. I, um, uh, bizarrely, I, uh, I've chucked on a Venezia shirt for for tonight, but I, I, I've got a dodgy Hadji ninety four shirt upstairs that I nearly wow. threw on, and wow. uh, um, it, it was I think. What Jordan Lechkov and Hristo Stoichkov ripping the Germans apart um, in USA '94. Georgie Hadji doing the things that he that he could do. Watching the Divine Ponytail, Bobby Baggio. You know, just these. I, 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 I think. Yeah, I think everyone comes back to a major tournament when when they start thinking about their formative time watching football. So I have a few years where. Albion did quite well. We we won a playoff final, then we stayed up on the final day away at Portsmouth, winning one mm. 0 with a Lee Ashcroft goal, and uh, and and then um, England got to a, a, a you know then we had a World Cup, which was the first World Cup I really remember. Don't really remember Italia '90 because I was seven, um, and then and and then obviously England got to a semi final in in Euro '96. So I think it was a good time to, to grow up an English football fan. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, starting with your, your uh, social media role at Albion, uh, what was involved in, in that job uh, exactly? And do you think that role has evolved over the last uh, 10 years since you since you were doing it? Oh, massively. I mean, I mean, it, first of all, when, when I went into, when I went into um, uh, the Albion, like I say, it was 2006. Facebook actually only came to this country in 2006. So I was actually hired as broadcast editor. Um, now, at the time, 
Albion uh, produced a thing called Albion World, which was uh, which was yeah. basically a load. Of, yeah, if you remember it, it was basically a load of um, videos with the players, videos of training, um, match day commentary stuff like that. And it was all behind a paywall. You had to pay like forty five pound a year, I think it was, to mm. to access it, something like that. Anyway, um, and then um, Facebook started happening, and. Um, I just sort of saw it and I saw all these people going on there and I, uh, and I thought, well, loads of people are on there, but why aren't any, any businesses on there? So I set up a profile for the club. I said to my boss, I'm doing this. Um, he was like, fine, but do it on your own time sort of thing. You know, you, you're doing it with the club's blessing as it was, but, um, but, but, you know, the, it's basically basically it's not what we're paying you to do because at the time the club wanted the revenue from the um, uh, from from the world subscriptions and actually uh, you know I was quite restricted at what people wanted me to do on Facebook and things like that because um, they didn't want me to water down what was what was going on world so I was just using Facebook to tease the world content um, and put a few pictures up and stuff like that we were. Um, I'm pretty confident in saying this, the first club in the country on Facebook because I just sent a profile. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 always, uh, I always say to my students, you know, that the, the best way to be successful is to be ahead of your time, but not by a lot. Um, mm. and stealing okay. that quote from somebody else. But, um, but, <laughs> and and I, I feel like that's what we were. Um, and, uh, and we started to um, to push the envelope as well a bit after that by putting content out on YouTube, um, which the Football League didn't like. Um, we, we, we were part of something um, called FLI, which was Football League Interactive, which was an agreement that all the clubs bought into um, at the time of um, the, uh, the much-fated ITV digital deal. Um, yeah. And at the time, all the all the club's websites signed up to um, uh, to um, perform group, um, I think, which is what they're known now. They they were called something else at the time. The name escapes me. And basically, um, FLI wanted the foot the football league wanted all of our all of our content to go behind paywalls. All of our um, uh, uh, all uh, all of our video content to go behind paywalls, and um, a bunch of us. Uh, basically, because um, we had regular FLI meetings and, uh, and around cups of coffee and stuff like that, a few of us who did the video content sat down and basically went, we're going to stick a middle finger up to them um, we, we, because we think YouTube is massive. We think YouTube is going to be massive. Mm. And we're going to start putting content on this. And, it, you know, it's crazy to sit here now and talk about something like YouTube as a new, uh, yeah. reminding yeah. ourselves that it is. <laughs> In about 2008, 2009, it was a very, very new thing. Mm. Um, but we, we really, we, we got, we got emails through telling us to stop it. We got, uh, we got all sorts through. Right. Um, you know, uh, just telling us off on pretty much a constant basis for, for putting content on YouTube because I was, you know, I, although I understood the value of the the, the, the subscriptions, I could just see all this content going on YouTube for free that everybody else was doing, like everybody was sending cameras into press conferences. So there was videos of managers talking and, and we were there restricting our viewership to 11, 1200 world subscribers. And mm. I was just like, 
no, it, this, this is not going to work long term. Long term, you sustainably need to um, uh, need need to start um, need to start actually putting this stuff to the largest possible audience, and from there, maybe you can start trying to make some money because. Because then, effectively, what we did once I started showing that, that that YouTube videos were getting much bigger viewers, I basically went to our head of marketing and said, "Do you do you want to start selling sponsorships on this pre rolls? Because there was no restrictions on yeah. YouTube. It's not like now where YouTube, if you try and slap a load of your own sponsorship over a YouTube video, they'll pull it down. Mm. It wasn't like that then. Um, so I could basically." Sell a pre-roll sponsorship in house, or we could, uh, or, or, or we could, or we could have like a backdrop with 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 sponsors on or whatever. Um, and and we could again, we were the ones we, ourselves and a couple of other forward-thinking clubs in the football league at that time were really pushing the envelope of what uh, of what could be done. And you know, from there, the the other channels grew organically obviously you start to do more stuff on twitter less on your website you start to put uh, announce things on twitter first rather than sending out a press release the role has i mean rob sorry i'm answering your question in the longest winded possible no, way no, it's, it's good it's good no, it's good stuff mate. The, the role has grown like beyond yeah. belief i mean i was doing everything at one uh, uh, you know there was um one of uh, uh, the the website writer did an awful lot of the the Twitter content, but I was doing all the video for YouTube, Facebook. Um, I was putting bits on Instagram, um, and I was doing pretty. Uh, uh, by the end, I was doing the sort of like during uh, during the week Twitter uh, Twitter content. I was doing commentary on a weekend, so somebody else was handling that at a, at a weekend. And but but now you've got. I mean, I think I think um, clubs like Man United, Liverpool. You're talking, um, you know, 50, 60 in their content, uh, uh, their, their their content department. Even 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 a club like the Albion, I think, has um, uh, has you know. I, well, I know for a fact they've got an individual guy for uh, for for video. Um, they've got another guy who does uh, who does the, uh, the, the social stuff. I mean, there's two or three guys on on the social side of things. So even a championship club as the Albion are now have like four, five, six digital people. Yeah. Back then it was just me. Um, and as I say, uh, there was another writer doing the website, and then we had a we had a we had a press officer and we had an administrator. Um, so the way it has grown from there is just phenomenal. The size of clubs, comms departments, and that's all that's all come really from the growth of it's come from the growth of social media, but it's also obviously come from the growth of the interest in in football, international broadcast rights, all that sort of thing as well. But um, but but the need to have that breadth of people across different channels has come from the growth of social media. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, there was almost no need for it. There was almost like no role before. Um... Almost before you, you could say maybe. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree <laughs> with that. I mean, look, literally, literally, what what we had when I went into the club, like I say, we had, um, uh, we had we had Jenna who was our our administrator who uh, who would handle things like all the all the media who wanted to come to press conferences, wanted to come to games, all that sort of thing. We had Ollie who did the website and and, and would put all the content on the website. Um, 
except for the paywall, which was completely my job. And, I, and then I also used to do the big screens on, on a match day. And then we had uh, we had John, who was all of our boss, who, um, who ran the department, but also liaised with the media, liaised with the manager, liaised with the players, liaised with the, the chairman and the hierarchy within the club, and, and basically controlled the message going, going in and out of the club. But all that, all that external messaging... Although we put some stuff on the website, the majority of it we fed out to newspapers, to uh, to, to media outlets, um, you know, to, uh, to 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 outlets like uh, like that to to get our message out for for us. And then all of a sudden, especially when Twitter blew up, like suddenly we've got this channel of our own to reach so many people. And the need to seed things out to media became less, but the need to control your own message became became absolutely huge. So you're absolutely right, Rob. Beforehand, you did only need four people, really. You know, you need, as I say, you needed those four roles that we had there because there weren't, there wasn't any other any other channels really. Um, but it it exploded from 2006 onwards. It just what what a club's comms department looked like just exponentially or what it needed to look like grew yeah. mm. well I mean sort of continuing on this from that where do you think say in the next 10 years where do you think this this role will be or what do you think the, the social media role will look like I mean, it's it's a hard question to answer because you don't know what the next big thing is 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 ever mm. going to look like the thing, the thing is that clubs know now is that they need to keep up with current trends. Um, I, as I say, you know, I'm not saying I was some forward-thinking genius by getting us on Facebook. I just think, I, I just think um, there was a there was a lot of people at a lot of clubs who thought we've done things a certain way for a very long time because they had, and we don't see any need to change. And I don't think clubs. Re- most clubs, I don't think, think like that anymore. I think, I think most clubs are on the lookout for what is the next big thing. Um, you know, clubs are starting to get involved in things like TikTok. Um, are they going to get involved in Twitter Spaces? I think they should. To be honest with you, um, mm. I think I, 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 th- I think this. I would love. To, I would genuinely love to see a, a club do a uh, do a press conference through Twitter Spaces and allow fans yeah. to mm. sit That's and true. listen higher press conference from start to finish it would take some balls to do it because you've obviously you are completely ceding your control mm. over you know what uh, the, the stuff that sometimes you can manage to trim out trim the edges from a press conference whether it's an argument between a manager and a, uh, and, a um, and a journalist, although most of them get out now anyway. But sometimes you can persuade journalists to not write certain things. You would lose all that control. But I think so much stuff from press conferences gets out now anyway that almost why wouldn't you want to be the first one to do this? Um, so, I mean, to answer your question, but I don't really know what, what it's going to look like going forward because... I couldn't have envisaged TikTok three years ago. You know what I mean? Um, But I I think the important thing is that, is that clubs and media stay at the forefront of this and, and and embrace this technology and, and not be as scared of it as a lot were back in 2006. Yeah. It it, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like that now. And like you said, with, with TikTok, a lot of clubs, you know, 
very quickly making TikTok or whatever the next thing will be. Um, but yeah, I reckon if if a club did a conference over Twitter space, I reckon that would get hundreds and thousands of, of people in there. I reckon that would be massive. And I mean, if, if a smaller club wanted to try and get a bit of exposure, you know, some... Mm-hmm. I would happily listen in, to the first one if it wasn't even West Brom. I would, I would happily listen to yeah, yeah, the that's, League that's One what I mean, Cup, yeah. whatever, do it just yeah. to, to hear what it would sound like almost. If 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 yeah. like, I'd like Swindon like announced like, oh, we're going to do the first one. Mm-hmm. I'd I want to that. I want to hear what this is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah as would yeah. I. I I think I think it would uh, honestly. I. I'm I'm a bit surprised that no club has jumped on this yet and, and been the first mm. one to do it. I can understand why a Premier League club wouldn't want to be the first one. There's, yeah. there's mm. a lot of exposure out there for yourself. But as you say, as a bit of a as a bit of a bit of a sort of marketing thing, and you've seen smaller clubs do loads of lo- loads of little marketing things. We've had Forest Green renaming their stadium with innocent smoothies and stuff like that. Yeah. Why? Why? Why a League Two club hasn't seen the opportunity to go and do this and get themselves a bit of exposure? Mm. I, I don't really know. Yeah. Well, um, also, one one thing as well. Um, I've seen cropping up a, a, a few more times. Uh, are these like fan tokens and like sort of NFT type sort of things? And I wonder if that, I wouldn't, uh, you know, that might be the one of the ways forward uh, i know a lot of people are against it and also because it's spending amounts on a club for something you know uh, people spend enough money for, for tickets and everything and then suddenly buying these fan tokens and and all this it's not um i don't think it's been warmly received as of yet but um yeah, who knows? Who knows where that? I, I think at the ends. moment you're in dangerous territory asking fans for more money. We mm. we saw the backlash that um, that, that um, uh, Sky trying to go pay per view on yeah. some of the Premier yeah. League games had during during the lockdown. I, I just I just think it's I think it's really dangerous territory. And and in fact, you're actually seeing some clubs going the other way. Um, I saw Brentford the other week announce that they're not going to change their kit next year. Yeah, I saw um, that, yeah. yeah. Which I just think is such a simple thing to do. And okay, their 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 you know their kit sales probably make them what I don't know. But I, I'm I'm going to stick my finger in the air and just pull a number out and say I don't know conservatively. Um, uh, uh, a few hundred, uh, maybe maybe a million, maybe a few hundred thousand. I, I yeah. don't, honestly don't know what the demand for Brentford kits outside of the West London area is. If I'm perfectly honest, but you know, when when you're when you're pulling down the kind of money from Premier League broadcast revenues, and when you when you put it into perspective of how much clubs waste on players they don't need, sure. foregoing sure. that kind of money is not. It's not a big deal to them, but the PR value of Brentford, I, that story was everywhere. I mean, you, straight away, Cal, you knew what I was talking about. Mm. Like, that story was absolutely everywhere. And the value of that for Brentford to look like, and they're always at the forefront of everything, aren't they, Brentford? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Money ball, whatever it, whatever it is. I just think being that sort of a club now has so much value. You, you, you look at some, uh, some of the clubs in this country, whether it's Brentford, whether it's Forest Green, these are progressive clubs who are thinking differently. And as soon as I mention names like Brentford and Forest Green, unless you're a um, a QPR fan 
I honestly don't know who Forest Green's rivals are. Um, but, but I'm sure there is one. Um, but if you're, unless you're a rival of Forest Green, you probably have a positive thought in your yeah. mind about those clubs because there's probably part of you that sits here and thinks, I wish my club was a bit more like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, slightly moving the, the topic of conversation, uh, only a, a small amount, but um, obviously we want to talk about a little bit more about your, your background in, in PR and marketing a little bit, really. So talking about um, sort of your outlook on clubs maybe in the past and, and maybe even now, what what are, what are some sort of key mistakes that clubs have made in the past, whether it be a particular example or, you know, a, a stereotypical example of whereby, you know, a club, from that perspective and a PR and marketing perspective has, has basically had a bit of a moment and had a bit of a wobble. What, what, what would you recall from, from, from those sort of incidents? Um, I mean, I, I, I think, I think there's a few things that, club, that that clubs have done. I think, I think the biggest problem, and this is talking generally now that, club, that, that clubs do is, uh, is that um, because, because quite a few clubs are back in the day, clubs were generally owned by, local businessmen who 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 were affluent in the area but at least they knew the fans they knew they they they, they knew the club hmm. i think the biggest problem that you've got when and i see this in plenty with my own club i'm sure you relate to it cal is is that when you get a foreign owner in who doesn't understand the club and the history and everything that goes around it that you see decisions being made for your club that lose touch with who your club is and the supporters and that the communication with the supporters uh, yeah. dies a bit of a bit of a death. Um, and, and you stop listening to the fans almost like, well, we don't need them because we're, you know, we're, we're a Premier League club. We're picking up all that Premier League broadcast money, which comes predominantly from outside of West Bromwich. You know what I mean? Mm. It, yeah. It, yeah. You know, the vast majority of that isn't even from UK subscribers the vast majority of it is from asian markets from america from uh, you know from from the middle east uh, places like that broadcasting the premier league rather than people in the uk with the uk um sky sports subscription i think i think the big mistake there is when it is is when um, clubs stop listening to uh, to supporters like uh, they're not important because they've got much greater global value now. I think I, I think we saw this with all the clubs that signed up to the European Super League. I don't think yeah. any of them, and, and it was made loud and clear to them what their supporters thought about that idea. That none of them wanted it, um, and uh, uh, but clearly they made that decision purely on a monetary basis. Yeah, and this is this is the issue now. It's all about. It, it, we lose footballs become such big business that we lose sight of the fact that ultimately it's entertainment and 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 it's rooted in an awful lot of history as well. Football clubs are community clubs; they're, they're a mm. big part of what pops up a community. And as I say, I think I think when when people whether it whether it be glaciers, whether uh, whether it be um, uh, I, 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 apologies, I forget his name. The fellow that 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 that, that bought um, that bought Cardiff and changed their kit to red. Oh, Vincent Tan. Um, yeah, Vincent Tan. Thank you very much. Uh, all I could see was high trousers. That was it. But, um, <laughs> but, but um, you know, whether whether it's whether it's him, whether whether it's someone like the Glaciers, whether whether it's 
Galchon Lai uh, at, at, at the Albion. When you have owners that come in that don't have, or, or even to an even worse extent, the fella at Berry who run them into mm. the ground. Mm. You, uh, when you have people come in, and, and, and to be fair, Rob, you saw this at Villa. Um, uh, you know, a couple of owners. You've obviously got very good owners now, but a couple of owners ago, yeah, you, yeah. You, did, you didn't at all. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, you know, when you see that, and the communication stops, and basically they start doing whatever they want with with your football club. I know people will say that it's their club, and you can do what you want with it because they own the business. And it's just a business, it's not just a business, it's part of people's lives. And you have to have that communication, you have to have those lines of uh, of communication with the fans, you have to have an understanding of what the supporters want. And I do feel sorry for people in, in comms and PR roles at, at, at clubs, because I know from my own, uh, or, or not from my own experience, because I was fortunate to work with Jeremy Peace and whatever people, uh, or for Jeremy Peace, I should say, um, uh, and whatever people might think about uh, uh, about Jeremy, he he got that the fans were an important part of uh, of things. Um, but I feel sorry for people who have to work for owners who don't necessarily get that, um, and yeah. uh, uh, because because. But in the end, they have to do what they're told to do. They have to put out the communications that they're, that, that they're, um, they're they're told to put out. And you look at Albion at the moment. You know, the, the, there's a lot of talk about the communications not there from the hierarchy, from from live, from uh, from Zuki Ken, all these sorts of people. But that's not the fault of the people running the comms department. They they can't no. put a gun to anybody's head and make them talk. And it's a, it's the same. It's the same at other clubs. Oldham obviously feel like the relationship has broken down with with uh, with, with their owners. I know Hull fans have had a very strained relationship with their owners over the last over the last few years. That's mm. not the fault of the people running the comms. Um, no. It's the fault of the people at the top of the club and. In a very long-winded way, Rob, and to answer the question, you know, the the errors come, largely speaking, from uh, from from ownership a lot of the time. Although occasionally you do get the odd howler from uh, from, uh, from from a from a club. I think I think I think the 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 one thing that I would I would that I would say is that when you're running club social media accounts, I think you probably have to remember that people have a very emotional reaction to your content and where you might be able to be funny if you were running another social media account, um, you possibly can't with that. Yeah. I mean, there was a good example last year um, where Leeds tweeted something out, having uh, taking a bit of a swing back at Karen Carney after- I remember this, yeah. Yeah, in, I mean, she basically oh, yeah, yeah. said, she said in a roundabout way, Leeds wouldn't have got promoted if um, it if, if, if the break hadn't happened, which probably was a bit of an unfair comment. But if it's a football club, you're going to go back and have a go at every pundit who says something you don't like. You're going to spend your whole day every day having a go at pundits. Yeah. Um, and I thought for Leeds to single her out in that way and cause the social media backlash that came toward her, I just thought, I just think that people running um, social media accounts um, at football clubs need to be a little bit more responsible than that. But then mm. again, from what I've heard, the, ins the the instruction to do that came a bit from further up as well. 
Yeah. So again, yeah. maybe we come back to ownership. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't surprise me with the Leeds having watched their uh, their their documentary on uh, what was it on? I think it was on um, Amazon Prime, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I'm gonna have to give that a go. Oh, if you haven't already, very, very good, very, very good. Um, let's talk about now about your your time at the at the FA, the Football Association. So I know you mentioned that your your role was predominantly based around uh, Wembley more than more than England. But um, talk to us a little bit more in, in depth about your role there and what that entailed. Yeah, I mean, I basically went went in there to try and. Um, we we weren't doing an awful lot of content on the Wembley channels. It was the, it was it was a lot of marketing, um, and and basically what they wanted they wanted somebody with a content head to go in there and revitalise the the Wembley channels and actually start doing some doing some content around that promoting the stadium as yeah. you know the greatest in the world, which I honestly believe to my heart's core that it is mm. the Hawthorns aside, of course. Um, but, you know, I, I know I know people people like to like to have a go at the new Wembley. Oh, it's not the old Wembley. Oh, it's it's not got the same atmosphere. Tell that to anyone who was there for England Germany in the summer, mm. please, <laughs> because yeah. that is. And I've been to I've been fortunate enough to go to a lot of big games in my time. Nothing will top that for me for a very 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 long time. That was mm. phenomenal. It's not. It's not about it's it, it's not that the stadium is is worse or anything like that. It's just that it's 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 just that international football at a qualifying level and a friendly level had become so saturated that it was hard to have uh, to to have to have really great games. And I understand the, the problem that people have with the central ring around Wembley, and uh, uh, you know, does it does it kill the atmosphere having having that as a corporate fear? not in my experience it doesn't like mm. um I've, I've been I've, I've i worked i think um uh i think about 15 playoff finals across all divisions during my time there the atmosphere was always unbelievable like yeah. really yeah. Good. it was phenomenal you know the fa cup finals the atmosphere was unbelievable it was a corporate ring for the fa cup finals you know um as I say, the Euros. I was I was fortunate enough to to be in attendance for um, for the the final semi final and the, and and the Germany game and the, the 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 atmosphere was unbelievable. So I it was just about getting me in to tell that story and then within six months of me being there, Greg Dyke announced a massive restructure uh, of the of the organisation. So we all our jobs got put at risk. Um, I was one of the fortunate ones um, who who kept the job, and as with any restructure, I basically got given more work to do on top of that. So I basically yeah. got given the customer service department as well. And again, the the idea was just to modernise and have us having um, proactive conversations with, uh, with 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 people with the with the guests who were coming to Wembley, finding out what people wanted through social media. Actually monitoring these things and and doing something with the information and and th- and that's that that's pretty much what we what we built over the five years that i was there we we did a lot of work with the, the marketing and comms departments to try and tell wembley's story both historically and and and, and in the present and we, we 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 did an awful lot of work to try and improve our guest services and 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 basically ma- maintain and ensure that wembley was the the best experience in the world for going to events and 
you know, I, I, I work with some unbelievable people there. And, and I honestly believe to this day, even with some of the problems that happened in the summer and nobody's shying away and ignoring them and act, acting like they didn't happen. But I, I, I still think Wembley is an unbelievable experience for people. And, and one, uh, one day where things went quite badly wrong against Italy doesn't change that, in my opinion. I um I was actually fortunate enough uh, a bit of a backstory for you I um I said to myself I haven't I'd, up until two weeks ago, I hadn't been to Wembley Stadium and I said I'm not going until until West Brom get there um, and it it kind of occurred to uh, a few people around me that that was my, potentially not going to happen um, so I was very kindly purchased a uh, a Wembley tour for me and and looking around the facilities and it's just it's just spectacular isn't it I mean you know the, the intricate details such as when we was having the tour when we was in the stadium you know the details go as far as the 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 boxes in the in the middle circle of the stand at the stadium yeah. rather are all angled at different positions to give the best noise reflection from the stadium and it's those specifics and such yeah. small things that make a massive, massive difference to that stadium. I know from, again, the tour guide saying about the main outroar with regards to the old one and the new one was the towers going out of the old one. And it's actually the um, material from the towers that are actually make the the dome, the, 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 uh, the arch now. Um, mm. which which I really didn't know. Like I, I didn't know a lot about Wembley before, but I, I definitely do now. And it was uh it's just a, a beautiful, beautiful stadium. Yeah, it is. And, and it, it, I, honestly there was um there, there was there was days I went to work there and, and just kind of looked up and was just like you know, I can't I can't believe I'm working in this stadium. It, you know, mm. some of the events that, that you went to, you just you just had to you just had to take a little moment almost to to just pinch yourself because it, it, yeah. it is it, it it is an unbelievable, unbelievable um, stadium, but um, yeah, it's it, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, very nice. Um, so so you, you go from the FA, and your your next role um, in in football uh, is becoming a football um, journalism lecturer at the University of Derby, as you mentioned. Uh, did you always want to get involved in football academically? Um, I don't think it was necessarily something that I'd proactively thought about. I mean, I I think, I think to be honest, when, when you're, when you're working somewhere like the football club you supported and the football association of the, of the country that you're from, I think you just enjoy the ride. Like you, you you really don't think about where your next move is. Like uh, I, I I know I didn't, I, I, there was, there was a couple of times that opportunities that came up and that, and that I thought about them and considered this, that, and the other, but I was, to be honest, most of the time I was just in the moment, um, in enjoying what I was doing. So I I hadn't really given it an awful lot of thought, but, um, but I I was, I was back in the Midlands. I was, I was looking for a new opportunity and a very good friend of mine uh, was, was one of the lecturers over there called me and said, look, we're looking for a, for a lecturer. We're looking for somebody with your skill set because we, we, we want to modernize certain aspects of the course. We don't, you know, we, we don't feel we have enough people with a real social media um, background to them and it's an important thing that we want to want to focus on and really do a lot of teaching around would you be interested and I was like 
yeah, as I, I haven't, I haven't necessarily really thought about it, but yeah, uh, you know, and uh, and uh, um, but the big thing for me was, and uh, and I had a, I had a chat with the, the the sort of head of discipline, and I just uh, I just said, look, the important thing for me is that I'm I'm not going to come in and just be handed a load of stuff to speak, um, I and that I read somebody else's notes out. I said. I think this is just a really, really fluent industry at the moment. I think it's evolving as quickly as it has ever evolved. And I, I just want, I want a bit of freedom to reflect that in what I'm, in what I'm teaching, because I think the, what, what I teach one year and what I teach the next year might be markedly different because the industry might have moved on. Um, and I don't want to be told I've got to teach this, this, and this, you know, in, in terms of specifics and, he basically said, look, that's what we want. We want somebody who is going to keep things moving along and, um, and, and that is going to evolve along with it. And, and I was like, fantastic, you know, sign, sign me up. And honestly, you know, I've had some great jobs in my time, but it's so brilliant and rewarding, you know, sitting down and, and seeing people develop. And because that was one thing that I, I was fortunate enough to do at Wembley was I, I, I took on a young team who hadn't really done any social media stuff before. Um, I, they, they, were, they were the customer service team and, and I sort of taught them that aspect of the job. And, I, and, and now some of them, some, some of them surpass, way surpass me um, in terms of the kind of content that they can do and some of the ideas that they have. And I, I, always, I always think that, if you're somebody imparting knowledge to people, you really shouldn't be scared of that moment where they go past you. Um, you know, that they're, that they're just whizzing past you on, on the freeway. And, uh, and, and that's what I want to see. And, and, and I've, I've seen that from a couple of students There's a couple of, couple of times that, um, that, that I've had pieces of work handed to me. I've just looked at it and I've gone, wow, I kind of wish I could produce something this good. And in that moment, you realise you've you've kind of got you've got through to somebody to a point in the sense that you've given them the building blocks, but then they've gone and done the rest of the work themselves, and that's you know that that's just it's it's just giving people that foundation all the time, and that's that's all that's all it ever is. You, the 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 idea that that you kind of talk to somebody and just um, and form them as a person is rubbish. You don't. You the, the people aren't aren't pieces of clay to be molded. Um, you, what 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 you are doing effectively is you are giving them the base information, and then and then you uh, and you're and you're trying to get that critical thinking going where they can look at it and go, okay, but what if we did this or what if we did that? And as I was saying to you before, you know, it's about people looking at things like Twitter Spaces coming out and going. We should do a press conference through that. You know what I mean? And it's just mm. having somebody have those light bulbs go over, and 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 from there it just snowballs. And that's that's pretty much what teaching is to me. And I I, I love it when it you know it, it can be it can be so unbelievably rewarding. Yeah. So um, while uh, while teaching at uni, uh, do you have any favourite lessons or, or modules you've you've taught, uh, and and why why would they be? Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I love, I, I love, I love teaching stuff with um, uh, that's to do with social media um, for pretty, pretty much the reason that I just said to you because it, 
it helps me evolve. I mean, the idea that you're finished learning when when, when you're a when you're a teacher is is rubbish because mm. uh, because you're not, especially when you're in an industry that evolves as much as mine does. Um, and like I, I I love seeing students produce content. I mean, last year we we introduced um, TikTok. Uh, as uh, into um, a mobile journalism module, we, uh, and it was the first time we we taught TikTok. And the, when when it, a lot of the students, when it came to their assignments, actually produced TikTok. And I'm I'm watching some of them, and I'm thinking, I don't get this. Like, I don't, uh, <laughs> why why is this good? And then, but then I've gone and like put the hashtags in that they've used on it to see the trend that they're following, and I'm like. Oh no! Actually, they've recreated the trend perfectly, and it's yeah. doing thousands of views. It's just I'm 39, nearly, and I don't get it. <laughs> um, that's that's and that's all it is. But it's brilliant because it because you you might take that moment where you stop and you watch something and you and you go, this is to me to me as a uh, as a 38 year old bloke, this is not good content because it's not something that I would watch. Mm. but then you actually like look it up and do your research on it and you go it is good content it's just i'm not the audience and that's uh, yeah. and, 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 and it, that's a, and i think that is it's brilliant as a lecturer that you that you have that moment where you have to put your ego to one side and you have to go well, just because i don't get it doesn't mean it's not good yeah yeah absolutely yeah that's uh, that's true um I, to to say a little bit about my my uni um uni experience uh, i did um <laughs> i did a dissertation about Kanye west uh and and bless them I had tutors who were uh, maybe 60s and 70s um to be honest probably didn't even know who Kanye west is and everything so that they, they yeah like like you said they had to kind of put their almost like the academic sort of head on to think okay right I might not like the music or I might not understand, mm. but I'm going to take, you know, this element from it or I'm, I, I'm going to just understand what he's writing about it and see how that contributes to the the hypothesis or the conclusion, for example. Um, yeah, yeah, so I think that is, like you said, it, that's a part of teaching as well, that you that you realise, yeah, you know, I'm not the be-all and end-all of if yeah, this is good it, or bad, you well, know, it doesn't lie with you. It's it's like like you well, said. Content's it. all about audience in the end. But uh, and uh, and uh, I mean, one of the things that I, I constantly constantly have a go at students for is when is is when because a lot of the time when we have them produce a piece of content, we we say, but tell us who the audience is. And if I do that exercise with thirty students, I can guarantee you one of them will write all football fans. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. you cannot, cannot, cannot produce a piece of content that appeals to all football fans because I'm, I'm sorry, you've got, you know, you, you've got my uh, my dad in his sixties is not going to uh, um, the same piece of content is not going to appeal to him as is going to appeal to um, to a fourteen year old. It's just yep. not. It, it's not going to happen. So you just you've just got to work out who your audience is and tailor your content to that. Um, and 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 that's just massively, massively important. And and, the, and as I said before, me as um, a 30, thirty-eight-year-old West Bromwich Albion fan um, is 
I'm not always going to be the audience for a piece of content. Mm. Mm, that's yeah. true. Absolutely. Um, and and staying with your students there, uh, what would you say is possibly the most important piece of advice or or a, a key bit of information you like to give to your students um, your, or, or aspiring uh, football journalists? What would, what would you say? I mean, I think there's a few things. Uh, first of all, I think understand your audience and take the time to understand your audience and realise that you're not going to be all things to all people. There's there's a, there's a few people that do that quite well in the industry. You know, um, Alex Scott seems to manage to sort of like be across uh, be across a lot of things. Jermaine Genus hasn't it uh, doesn't seem to upset anybody, although it doesn't necessarily <laughs> always excite an awful lot of people either. Um, mm. But 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 the majority of people are loved and loathed in equal measure. Um, and I mean, there's a, there's a there's there's a wonderful quote that I that I bore my students with fairly regularly, which is, um, if if nobody hates it, nobody really loves it. Um, yeah. And, and <laughs> I, I feel like because the because the two emotions side by side are so extreme that kind of mm. if somebody's over here loving it, that somebody has to be over here hating it because this person likes it so much that the fact that they dislike it means they suddenly hate it. And, and, that's, and that's how people feel about content. So don't try and make everybody like your content. Just appeal to the people that really matter to you um, and that are your audience. And if you focus in on that, then that's, that's, that's absolutely fine. I mean, I think just generally, I think, I think taking every opportunity that comes your way you, the bottom line is this is a highly, highly competitive industry. And if you want to get into it, you're going to have to do a lot of work for free. It just, it is what it is. You're going to have to prove yourself and make the contacts and, and, and stuff like that. We've all been there. We've all been there. We've all, we've all worked for free. We've all done our, paid our dues. Um, and it gets, it does get you where you want to do. If you can do that whilst combining it with, with being good, with being good at journalist uh, journalism, um, so I, I think I, I think that that's uh, that's where it is. I mean, um, understanding audience, giving putting yourself out there and taking opportunities, and realizing content is key at the at the end of the day. You know, as I said before, like 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 we were with Facebook. You want to be ahead of your time, but only by a little bit just because somebody's mm. not nobody's doing something isn't a reason not to do it be the first try it if you think it'll work try it produce a new t a, a new type of content like i mean uh, i'm sure there was a first person to um uh, uh, to produce a, a video talking about fifa the computer game now they're to a penny. Now, now there's probably you know there's plenty of people actually making their living off doing mm. that. Yeah. But there had to be a first person to go. Do you know what? If I go on there and talk about FIFA Ultimate Team and which players I think are good and which players I think are rubbish, people might actually watch this. <laughs> there was one person in the first instance who had that as an idea. And yeah. um, why not be that person about something else? You don't mm. have to go and. Because the problem is you're always competing for a very small amount of people's time because people have habits and they they do what they do what they do on a daily basis. You think about your own routine and you probably do the same things most days at probably around about the same sort of time. So 
if you're produce if you if you're starting out and producing content what you're effectively saying to people is i want you to break one of your existing habits and drop something from your schedule to implement my thing so mm. your thing has to be better you can't yeah. just do the same as what everybody else is doing you've got to be better um, mm. And it's got to be different, and it's got to be fun. It's got to, it's got to engage them on a level that their other stuff doesn't engage them. And if you do that, then you'll replace something in their schedule. And if you're the same, then they'll just stick to the thing that they're familiar with because they're familiar with it. Yeah, sound advice. Very, very good advice. Um, the, the the one question we want to we want to close on because I'm conscious of time is um, obviously you've worked in football for for a number of years. Have you got a, a funny story or two from your time, maybe at West Brom or maybe with relation to the FA, whatever it might be, that you can share with us on the podcast? Yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've had I've, I've had a, I've had a few to be honest with you. I, I mean, um, I'll give you a couple of a couple of amusing ones and just a, a couple of a couple of nice ones as well. Just um, uh, from uh, that um, that I think speak volumes about um, a, a couple of players because because they're um, you know I think footballers get a bad rap sometimes and uh, and and a, a lot of it from my experience of working with them is deeply unfounded because a lot of them are really really top guys but mm. I mean uh, one 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 the one experience that I had was when my first preseason tour with Albion. Um, we went to Scotland to Royal Troon. Um, we were we were playing Edinburgh and and that way on, and um, the players had all been bussed up. Um, but my boss and I had gone up in uh, in a rental car, um, so we were the only people at the hotel with a car, um, and you the the players were getting a little bit bored we have to go out and occasionally get bits and bits and bobs for them you know uh, you, you might might be asked to go and pick up some computer game systems or whatever so the players could hit, hook them up in their room because we you know we're in a golf course with the middle of nowhere really mm. and then mm. um uh, i don't know where he got them from paul robinson had, had got a bag of skittles um and uh, and Zoltan gira had never tried skittles in his life um, so Robbo gives Zolly a handful of skills and I, I don't know what it was about them, but Zolly was just like, these are the best thing I have ever tasted in my entire life. <laughs> I need some more. And Robbo was like, but I, I'd only got the one bag. So Zolly comes to us and he's like, you've got to take me to the nearest shop because I've got to buy some Skittles and I've got to buy them right now. So we've yeah. like jumped in this in this rental car, me, my boss Simo, and uh, and Zolly, and headed down to the local garage. We'd only got like a couple of bags, and that wasn't enough for Zolly. So we've had to go on to uh, he's bought them, but we've had to go on to the next garage, and he's basically cleared the whole shelf of skittles. <laughs> gone back to the hotel. He must have had about thirty bags of skittles. He was he, he, he was so happy. But like, yeah, it was really bizarre. It was really, really bizarre. Um, so that was that. That was that was a weird one. He was a top man, Zolly, though. Like, um, he, mm. it, um, he he watched um, the film Madagascar, um, and the whole of the next day just ran around the corridors of the training ground singing "I like to move it, move it." That um, <laughs> the, the song that Sasha Baron Cohen's um, character sings in it. Which, it was, 
it, very entertaining. He was he was a top top man, really really lovely yeah. fella. But um, uh, but yeah, balmy. Uh, but but absolutely brilliant with it. Um, I mean, I think other other ones. Um, uh, uh, I'm just trying to uh, trying to think. Um, uh, I mean, uh, very, probably what you asked me before about where this ranks in my uh, where winning the quiz earlier ranks in. Um, in my proudest moments in football, I think my, my proudest moment in football was uh, probably um, completing the trilogy uh, on the way to Colchester away with the rest, rest of the West Brom media team, which was McDonald's breakfast, Burger King for lunch and KFC for uh, for dinner. Wow. I felt like crap the next day, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. Like, um, but uh, yeah, that was, uh, I mean, that's that, that still gets a mention to this day, you know, Colchester away doing the trilogy. It was, uh, was, really, was really quite something. Um, but yeah, uh, one, one of the other ones was, uh, I mean, one of the most um, bizarre moments was um, like Paul away. You might remember this, Cal. It was, um, it was the season under Robbie Di Matteo and, um, we won 3-2 there with a last-minute penalty. Um, Ishmael Miller yes. went down yeah. under a challenge and Doran stuck the ball, stuck the penalty away. Yeah. And yeah. we were in the tunnel after the game and it, it's really, really tight at Bloomfield Road. Um, and we're in the tunnel. And um, we're basically, the home dressing room is in front of me to, to my left and the referee's room is bang opposite that and then the away dressing room's next to that. And Ian Holloway comes bursting out the home dressing room and he's banging on the referee's door, banging on the referee's door. Like uh, the referee eventually comes out like, what was that decision? What That was a disgrace. Blah, blah, blah. He's giving him absolutely both barrels. And then he looks over to me and my colleague, Dave, who has stood at the mouth of the tunnel, both in our big Albion coats, Zoopla written across the back. You can't miss them. And he turns, he turns to face us. And by the way, I'm cleaning up the language here because it was a bit choice. <laughs> but um, he, 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 he turns and points at us and goes, even they know it was a penalty and they're bloody West Brom. Um, and like, I've got to be honest, and Dave never lets me forget this. At this point, my backside fell out. I completely bottled it. <laughs> because, because Dave turns to him and goes, well, it was more of a penalty than the one we got given against us at Ipswich last week. Um, Ollie, then, the referee's had an absolute touch here, by the way, because Ollie's attention has completely gone from the ref <laughs> to Dave at this point. And he's like, that's not the point. That's not the point. The, the, the point is that today's wasn't a, uh, wasn't a penalty. And Dave, fair play to him, has got, got a pair of balls on him because he's just turned to Ollie and went, well... I thought it was a penalty. <laughs> at which point, Ollie has basically used an expletive a number of times at Dave and had to be dragged away by his own press officer, which was, uh, oh which was quite uh, quite good value, I have to say. I mean, you know, I've got all sympathy for managers when your job's on the line every week yeah. and all this sort of yeah. thing. You get a, given a dodgy penalty. I can understand how emotions were high, but I'll tell you what, he gave us a good story. So uh, <laughs> fair play to him on that, uh, on that one. Um, but I mean, just just sort of like just uh, just a sort of um, couple of other little bits before before I leave you. I mean, um, what one one that I would say that was always that was always good value was um, uh, we we used to play. We had quite a good relationship with the other Midlands clubs, particularly Villa and Blues. 
and we used to play quite a lot of staff games um, against them. Um, and Albion weren't a big staff at the time. Um, and it wasn't actually that easy to get 11 people together to play um, who, who played football because um, the level was decent. It was, yeah, it was pretty decent. I mean, you know, even, even a, lot of a lot of people who worked around the clubs in um, the analysis department, the academy, you know, even, even, even down to like, you know, you've got, you've got people like um, uh, Aaron Eels, who was the club secretary at the time, who was, um, he, I, I believe he was on, he was on non-league Cambridge City's books and then right. played in America for a, for a period of time. So, I mean, you know, when you've got the club secretary is ex-semi-pro slash pro, you know, you, um, it, Richard Garlick as well, who's now gone on to the Premier League, he, uh, I think he grew up playing with Kevin Davis, I, I think I'm right okay. in saying. So the standard was pretty decent at these games. Um, so you, people didn't want to play unless they could hold their own. And so it was a bit of a struggle getting players together. So I... It, it, I, I generally have to end up going and sweet talking some of the coaching staff, or um, uh, uh, and that to come uh, come and play, um, which wasn't always the easiest because obviously after a career in football they carry a lot of injuries around and don't much fancy don't don't much fancy it. I'll tell you what, it's such an eye opener playing with these guys. Like you think you've got bits, and then <laughs> and then you get out of the with these guys, and it's just. Uh, I mean, the, we played we played Birmingham City at the Albion Indoor Dome, and I begged Michael Appleton to play because I was short of players. Plus, Appy's amazing, um, and Appy said, "Yeah, okay, I'll play, but only, but because his his knee still plays up, he's like, I will only uh, I'll, I'll I'll only turn out for you if you put me up front, so I have to do the least possible amount uh, amount of running." Um, and like you know, that's pretty much it. Game kicks off. Um, Apps takes the kick off, and he just hits it first time. Lobs their keeper, who was stood on the penalty spot from the <laughs> kickoff. That was pretty much it. Appy scored, I think, uh, four goals before we took him off after twenty minutes. He <laughs> barely had to move. He was just. It was just wow. basically. It, it, he couldn't run. I mean, the guys had a serious knee operation. Like he was not. Uh, he, yeah. he, he, he wasn't. He wasn't fit. He, he wasn't able to play. But um, like, as in, he, or he certainly didn't want to run around because he'd be in bad uh, bad nick for for quite some time afterwards. But um, but honestly, you put the ball anywhere near him, and he was just he, he was just unbelievable. He was absolutely staggering. But I mean, you saw, you saw some of the competitiveness come out as well. There was a few challenges that. I steered well, well clear. I mean, Keith Downing is one of the nicest blokes I've ever met in my entire life, <laughs> but I would not want to go into a 50-50 with him. Like, oh, really? You, you could tell he was a defensive midfielder in his day. He's still unbelievable <laughs> in the tackle. Like, just just absolutely, yeah, absolutely incredible. Um, but just to sort of leave you on one with uh, about like how players can, players can get a bad rap, but like they, they just, they just have moments where they're just, unbelievable people um, mm. like the one that always sticks with me was it was Kevin Phillips I mean Super Kev's one one of the best people I've, I've ever met yeah like, we were fortunate enough to talk with him a couple of weeks ago actually he's yeah I saw I saw you got him on he's such a top bloke isn't he mm. um, and and when uh, when I was at the Albion I'd gone to see Kev on I think it was the Friday um, and 
I, 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 my uh, one of my best friends is a Sunderland fan, um, and he was he was coming up to his um, uh, he was coming up to a birthday. I can't remember which one. It was a landmark birthday, and I said to Kev, I says, look. Um, He's a massive Sunderland fan. You're his hero. Like he adored you when you won the Golden Boot. Would you do a, would you do a, a message for him on uh, on, on camera? Um, and he was like, yeah, yeah, no problem whatsoever. I'll I'll I'll, I'll record a message for him. He said um, he said, look, I've got to shoot off now because I think he got to pick, pick the kids up or something like that. He he was like, but come see me, come see me Monday morning, uh, and I'll and I'll do it for you. We went out that Saturday. And um, we played, I think it was Crystal Palace at home. And Kev did his knee ligaments. Um, now, Kev was 34. That, that, there was, you know, a genuine chance that he, he obviously did go on to have a very good career from there. But there was a genuine mm. chance that he might not play again. Um, yeah. Because 34-year-olds don't come back from knee ligament injuries an awful lot of the time. Mm. Um so like I've come in on the Monday morning. I'm just I'm just sat at my desk because I'm I'm not going I'm not going near Kev. You know he his career might be over. I'm not going to ask him for a favour. Comes knocking on my door. Um, it's like what time do you want to do this video, mate? I said Kev, she, you don't have to do it, mate. Like you know I I, I know you said you would, but like I'm. Uh, He's on crutches at my door. I'm, uh, I'm like, uh, I said, you don't have to do it, mate. Like it's not. It, it, it's not a. It, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, worries, not, it's yeah. not important yeah. in the grander scheme of things. He, he turned around to me. He said. He, he said. Um, he said. I came from non-league. That guy cheered me on the terraces before I was anybody. What kind of a person would I be if I didn't give a little bit back to him? He said, "I'll see you after training." And he wow. did the video, wow. and I was just like, "What a man." Yeah. What a yeah. man. You know, yeah. how many of us could honestly say in our in our darkest moment like that that we'd be thinking of other people? Mm. He's mm, a top bloke. It doesn't surprise me after I chat with him, doesn't surprise me at all. He's a, he's an absolute legend of the game. I've got no no hesitancy in saying that. Is that a shadow? Yeah. Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, listen, mate. That that wraps up what has been a fantastic episode for for the high press, Rob. I'm I'm sure you'll agree with that. Um, thank yeah, you yeah, for sharing yeah. some of those stories. Some some brilliant stuff there involving skittle, skittles and crutches. That might be the episode <laughs> title right there. Um, but uh, but listen, Chris. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for for sharing your career and uh, and having a bit of a laugh and a giggle with us. So uh, we really appreciate it. My pleasure, mate. Always happy to do it. Great. Thanks so much. We'll speak yeah, to you. Thank soon. you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the High Press Podcast. We really hope that you've enjoyed the episode today. Um, We'd be really, really grateful if you could leave a review on your preferred podcast provider, whether that be iTunes or whether that be Spotify or Google or whoever it might be, um, just so people can find our episode a little bit more easily. Yeah, and go ahead and follow us on our social medias at the High Press Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram. Where we're going to be announcing all of our guests, uh, any updates, and uh, just generally, just that's where you can find us. Right, thank you guys, and we'll see you soon.